Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. I want to welcome all of you here, whether you made it in person or you joined us online. I know that we have a lot of people watching from home right now, uh, either because you're in quarantine or you just need to stay away. And I want to give a shout out to everybody doing church in your PJs. And seriously, I am glad that you can still be a part of this service, even from a distance. And I want you to know that I am praying for everyone who is affected by COVID right now uh, in one way or another. I have a long prayer list. And if uh, at any point we can be helpful as a church, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, you can email any of us on staff. You can go to plumcreek.org connect and get a hold of us there. Well, I am excited this morning, and not just because the Bengals won a playoff game for the first time in 31 years. Uh, I've said before that I'm a Dolphins fan, but they're not in the playoffs, so I am definitely pulling for Cincinnati. Uh, but there's a bigger reason why I'm excited this morning. I get to tell you about a special challenge that we're going to tackle as a church here very soon. We'll get to that challenge, but before we do that, we have some important ground to cover. We're in the third week of this series called Kingdom 101. And many of you know that here at Plum Creek, we've set aside 2022 as the year of the kingdom. We're focusing on the kingdom of God. And all throughout this year, we're praying these words from the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. Now, I've talked about this a lot over the last couple weeks, and if you missed the first two sermons of this series, I encourage you to go back and listen. Uh, but today, I, I just want to make sure we're all clear about the meaning of this phrase, the kingdom of God. Jesus used this phrase a lot. Uh, back at the beginning of his ministry, he made a big announcement. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. But what did Jesus mean by that? Well, here's the definition we've been using. The kingdom of God is any place where God's rule and his reign have truly begun. You will find this kingdom wherever you find people who are fully surrendered to God as king. And in one sense, the kingdom is already present here and now. It shows up in the church. You see it in every true follower of Jesus. In another sense, though, we're still waiting for the ultimate fulfillment of God's kingdom. One day, Jesus will return, and God will establish the final perfect version of his kingdom, and that's the version that will last forever. So in summary, the kingdom of God is a very big deal. That's why Jesus talked about it all the time. And at one point, Jesus told a very short story that describes the value of God's kingdom. In Matthew 13, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. So in this very short story, a man found a treasure, and immediately he recognized that it was extremely valuable. And to get this treasure... The man was willing to sell everything that he had. And there's a very interesting word in this verse. It's the word joy. The man was not 
sad about selling all of his possessions. Not at all. He was overjoyed. And why was that? Well, he was convinced that he was getting a really good deal. And this is what Jesus is trying to communicate about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a priceless treasure. Because when you become a citizen in God's kingdom, you, you get to enjoy God's favor. You get to live in his presence now and forever. You can't put a dollar value on that. It's priceless. It's totally willing it. It's totally worth it to give up everything that you have. So this is the first truth that we need to understand. When you see the kingdom of God as the great treasure that it truly is, you will naturally want to become a part of that kingdom. You'll want to be a citizen there. And whether we realize it or not, this is what all of us want. Because we'll never be satisfied by anything that's based in this world, the kingdom of this world. Our deepest longing is to be in God's kingdom. So how do we get there? Well, let's keep it simple. To become a citizen in God's kingdom, you make Jesus your king. You become a follower of Christ. You allow God to rule and reign in your life. And then over time, God changes your heart and you become more like Jesus. So what does life look like when you become a citizen in God's kingdom? Well, that's what we talked about last week. We looked at the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, Jesus explains how your life will change when you surrender to him as king. And as we saw last week, some of those changes are very challenging. The truth is, it is hard to be like Jesus. Sometimes we don't even want to be like Jesus. But if he's truly your king, you let him call the shots. You, you learn to surrender to his will instead of doing things your way. Now this morning, we're going to take one more look at the Sermon on the Mount. We won't read the whole thing. It's pretty long. We're going to focus on one important passage in Matthew chapter 6. And in this passage, Jesus gives us a foundational truth. It's actually our main takeaway for this morning. And here it is. A citizen of God's kingdom will invest in what matters most. So how do you know what matters most? Well, fortunately, Jesus answers that question very clearly in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew 6, 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, if you go back 2,000 years and you think about the crowd of people who first heard the Sermon on the Mount, when they heard these words, it would have made a lot of sense. Because in first century Jewish culture, wealth was not defined by how much money you had in the bank. They didn't have retirement accounts, and they definitely didn't have Bitcoin. Wealth was measured in physical things. Things like clothes, and jewelry, and gold, and silver, and livestock. And of course, all those things are perishable. They, they can break, or rust or die, or get stolen. And Jesus says, sure, you can spend your life accumulating material things, but that is a terrible investment. And let's be clear, 
Jesus is talking to us too because we buy things and we try to build wealth because we're searching for, habit, for happiness. We're searching for peace of mind. But money and material things never live up to the promise. They, they can't give you what you're looking for. In the words of the poet and philosopher Biggie Smalls, mo money, mo problems. That's how it works. So Jesus said, don't invest in those things. There's a better way to go. He said, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And that's just common sense, right? It's wise to invest in a place that's not vulnerable to loss or decay or theft. And where is that place? Well, according to Jesus, when you invest in God's kingdom, you invest in something that lasts. You invest in something eternal. So let's say that you are a follower of Jesus and you are a citizen of God's kingdom. If that's true, you probably do want to invest in eternal things. But at the same time, you also like cars and houses and boats, and smartphones, and Starbucks, and so on, and so on. Because here's the deal. As long as we live in this world, we're going to feel this strong pull to accumulate material things. And that's especially true in our culture. We're drawn to treasures on earth. So how do we break away from this tendency and invest in what matters most? Well, in the very next verse, Jesus makes a powerful statement. He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this is the verse we want to focus on today. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you know what's interesting about that statement? Jesus could have reversed the wording there. He could have said, For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. But that would change the meaning. In that altered version, your heart gets to decide what you will treasure. You might say, uh, my heart just loves jelly donuts. I, I didn't decide to treasure them. I just follow my heart straight to the donuts. So in, in that way, it's your heart deciding. But Jesus didn't say that. He said it the other way. Your heart follows your treasure. In other words, you get to decide what you will treasure. And you see what's exciting about that? You're not helpless here. You've got a choice. You, you don't have to resign yourself to say, well, my heart just happens to settle on certain things. I guess that's my treasure. No, right now, while you're thinking clearly, you can say, I choose to invest in eternal things. And when you do, your heart will follow. So in one way, that's, that's really cool. But in another way, this is a big responsibility. Because Jesus tells us we all have a decision to make. And there is a right choice. There's also a wrong choice. This isn't like choosing between Coke and Pepsi. Look at what Jesus says a few verses later. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
So Jesus gives us an either-or choice. It's not a both-and choice, which is what we want, of course. Uh, We want to put our trust in God, invest in eternal things now and then, but when it's time to get practical and face what we call reality, we want to put our trust in money. We look to earthly treasures to give us happiness and fulfillment and security. But here's the problem. The marching orders of God and the marching orders of money will lead you in completely different directions. Over and over again, you and I are faced with a choice. Am I going to pursue money with all the significance and satisfaction it promises, or am I going to pursue God and His kingdom? Here's my prayer for this year. My prayer is every one of us, including me, will treasure God's kingdom more than ever before. And not just in theory, like, yeah, I agree, the kingdom of God is a great treasure. No, it it can't just be in our heads. This has to show up in our lives. I'm praying that by the end of this year, the people you know, the people who know you best, will say, based on what I see, nothing matters more to you than Jesus and his kingdom. And how would they come to that conclusion? Well, It has to be visible. They they have to see it in your behavior. But how do we make that a reality? Well, like I said earlier, when you make Jesus your king, God is the one who changes your heart. But along the way, you and I have this decision to make. When Jesus tells you what to treasure, how will you respond? Will you let him guide your choice? Because here's the thing. What you choose to treasure will determine your behavior. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the treasures of your heart will be revealed by the way you live. So let's think about this in a practical way. Let's think about the habit of brushing your teeth. Now, I don't believe any of us were born with this habit. We we don't have a natural instinct to brush our teeth every day. But at some point, this behavior became a part of your everyday life. At least I think it did. Uh, Anyone not brushing your teeth every day? You, You probably don't want to tell us if that's true. But back to our principle. Why did we ever start this habit? Why is it worth the trouble to brush your teeth? Well, it's worth it. Because you decided to treasure something that is greater than the inconvenience and unnatural habit of toothbrushing. Maybe you treasure the idea of not getting a cavity. Maybe you want to avoid that horrible sound of the drill when they're giving you a filling. I got a filling a couple weeks ago and I am still traumatized by that sound. But we understand this principle. You take care of your dental health because you treasure the idea of having strong, healthy teeth for as long as possible. In other words, what you treasure determines your behavior. And the same principle applies when we talk about the kingdom of God. Let's skip down a few verses in Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, 31, Jesus said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
And all these things will be given to you as well. Now, we talked about this last week. In verse 33, Jesus says, Seek his kingdom first, above everything else, above everyone else. And what might keep us from doing that? Well, for some of us, it might be greed or materialism. But we feel that strong pull to accumulate more money and more stuff. But there's another potential obstacle here. You see it? It's fear. It's worry. It's, it's the thought of what might happen if you do invest in God's kingdom first. Will I still have enough of what I need? Will he really take care of me like he promised to do? Being a citizen of God's kingdom, it comes down to trust. Do you trust God more than you trust yourself? Do you really believe that he is good, that he will meet your needs? Do you trust in Jesus when he says to invest in treasures in heaven and let go of the treasures on earth? Now, it's easy to say, sure, I trust God. I'm willing to put his kingdom first. But we all know talk is cheap. And there's a very simple way to evaluate the true state of our hearts. Just look at your finances. Where does your money go? Now, I know that money can be a very sensitive topic, especially when preachers talk about it. But the truth is, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is the one focusing on money. So let's ask a tough question this morning. When I look at where my money goes, am I investing in the kingdom of this world more? Or am I investing more in the kingdom of God? Now, let me be the first to say, I need to grow in this area, but I know I'm not alone. Uh, so please know, this is not a guilt trip. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is an opportunity to grow. And in order to grow, we need to take a step in the right direction. And now, finally, I get to talk about that big challenge that I mentioned earlier. The challenge is a practical action step for us to take as we go through this year of the kingdom. So here's the plan. In the month of January, Plum Creek is coming together as a church to give a special offering. It's a beans and rice offering. Now, if you've never seen this before, I know it brings up a lot of questions, so let me explain. First, uh, we know that every week we all spend a certain amount of money on food. Uh, if you eat at a fast food restaurant like McDonald's or a fast casual place like Chipotle, you might spend anywhere between 5 and $15 for a meal. And of course, uh, sit-down restaurants can go much higher than that. And if, if you buy groceries and eat all of your meals at home, it's still easy to spend hundreds of dollars a week on food. But beans and rice? Man, you, you can eat a meal of beans and rice for about 30 cents. And for many people on our planet, including about half of the world's population that lives on less than $5.50 a day, this is probably what they'll be eating today. And it's actually a pretty good option. You get protein from the beans and energy from the rice. So here's the challenge. Starting one week from today, from January 23rd to the 29th, I'm challenging all of us to go on a beans and rice fast. So prayerfully decide how many meals this week you'll eat just beans and rice. Now, why would we do this fast? 
Well, one reason is to identify with the millions of people who eat like this by necessity, not by choice. But another reason is this. We have an opportunity to invest in God's kingdom and do it in kind of a fun way. And here's how it works. Like I said, from January 23rd to the 29th, we'll be doing the beans and rice fast. And then from January 30th to February 5th, we'll give an offering based on the money we saved because of this sacrifice. And think about it. If, if you skip that $6 value meal at the drive-thru and you eat beans and rice instead for about 30 cents, that's a savings of $5.70 per person per meal. And if you're a family of four, I mean, if you do this for lunch and dinner, that adds up to about $319. And your situation may be totally different. I actually hope that you're not hitting the drive-through 14 times a week. Uh, but the point is, we can all give something. And this is the exciting part. This offering is, is going to enable us to make a big impact in God's kingdom. Uh, the offering will go toward three different projects, and all of them will advance God's kingdom in some way. The more we give the more of a difference that we'll make. Now let's look at a few questions about these projects. First, uh, how did we decide that our offering will go toward these specific things? Well, that's a good question because there are literally thousands of ways that we could use this offering to advance the kingdom of God. But here's what we did. We prayed about several options and we asked God to lead us to projects that would help God's kingdom grow in a big way. Coming back to that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we pray this prayer, we're not asking for incremental growth. We're asking for exponential growth. So this is where we landed. We have a base goal of $12,000 for this offering. And whatever we give will be divided equally among these three initiatives. Number one is Camp Northward. Number two is Goats for Nepal. I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. And the third project is to provide scholarships for Plum Creek students who will be doing mission work outside the country later this year. Now, here's a little more detail about each of these projects. Uh, the first one is Camp Northward. Uh, in case you aren't familiar with this camp, uh, it was organized about 80 years ago. And since that time, thousands and thousands of young people have attended camp sessions uh, where they've been equipped and, and encouraged to know and follow Jesus. The current director of Camp Northward is Nathan DeRico. Uh, Nathan is a member here at Plum Creek, and as of this month, he's also an elder. Uh, you may have heard Nathan preach a few weeks ago. Now, I can give you many reasons why it's wise to invest in a ministry like Camp Northward, but I'll tell you about my personal experience. When I was a youth minister back in Ohio, I spent several years working at a camp. It was called Round Lake Christian Assembly at, a time, at the time. And every summer, I led a week for high school students. And I loved doing that for many reasons. But the main reason I loved it was because every year, I got to see God do amazing things in the lives of these students. One great example is a guy named Fred. 
Uh, Now, Fred is a good friend of mine today, but back in the 90s, he came to my week of camp, uh, just year after year. And one of those years, he made a decision to follow Jesus, and he was baptized at camp. Then a couple years later, also at camp, he made the decision to go into full-time ministry as as a career He went on to Cincinnati Christian University, and when he graduated, he actually took my place as the youth minister of Parkview Christian Church when I moved on from there. Now today, Fred is the student and young adult minister at Mount Gilead Church in Mooresville, Indiana, and he is a phenomenal minister. God has used him to impact the lives of hundreds of students. He is making disciples of Jesus who then go make disciples of Jesus. Now, let's go back to those days when Fred went to camp as a high schooler. Many people sacrificed and gave to the ministry of Round Lake Christian Camp. And then somebody also paid Fred's way to go to camp. Now, from a kingdom perspective, based on what happened since that time, was that a wise kingdom investment? Absolutely. And that's why Camp Northward is one of the three projects for our beans and rice offering. Not long ago, Camp Northward relocated to a beautiful property just south of Falmouth. And they have the beginnings of a great facility there, but they don't yet have everything they need. For example, they don't have a kitchen right now, and that's a pretty big deal. So the camp recently began a campaign to meet those facility needs, and we have the opportunity to be a part of it. What we give today will make a difference in the lives of young people for decades to come. So that's our first project. Now let's talk about those goats. What is that about? Well, I'm really excited about this. Over in the nation of Nepal, God is doing something amazing. Now, we're going to make a strategic investment here. And whenever we talk about doing kingdom work in a different country, there's a certain question that comes up every time. People ask, why are we putting resources over there when we have plenty of needs right here in our community? And that is a great question. Here's my response. First, as we go through this year of the kingdom, We are definitely doing ministry in our community and in northern Kentucky. One example is the week of serving coming up this spring. But here's my other response to that question. From a big picture kingdom perspective, there is an urgent need in certain places outside the U.S. Uh, Let's take a look at Nepal itself. Uh, The country of Nepal is literally on the other side of the world. Uh, Most of the country is in the Himalayan mountains. That's where you find Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. But why would we focus on a place like Nepal? Well, I want to show you a different map of the world. This different map is from a ministry called the Joshua Project. And it shows us where the gospel of Jesus has spread across the world. It also shows us what areas have not been reached by the gospel. Uh, In the places that are green, like North and South America, uh, people have plenty of opportunities to hear about Jesus. And we we know this is true in our area. You, You can't go very far without driving past a Christian church. But now, in these red areas, 
These are places where the majority of people, the vast majority, don't have a relationship with Jesus. They haven't experienced a life-changing relationship with him. They haven't received the gift of salvation or the promise of eternal life. And many, many of them haven't even heard the name of Jesus. That's definitely the situation in Nepal. The population of Nepal is about 29.5 million people and only 1.2% claim to be Christians of any kind. God loves these people just like he loves every one of us. So there is a huge need for Jesus in this country. But like I said, God is already doing amazing things there. Plum Creek partners with a ministry called Disciple Makers. Now, Disciple Makers has been doing work in Nepal for years, and it's just very cool to see the way God's kingdom has been growing there. I've learned through Disciple Makers, as of right now, about 1,450 new churches have been planted, and the goal is 2,500 churches by the end of 2025. Also, in the last 20 years, over 30,000 people have been baptized. This is in a country where only 1.2% claim to be Christians of any kind. So we're talking about a miraculous work of God here. What does any of this have to do with goats, though? I'm glad you asked. Disciple Makers is training Nepali evangelists who go out into unreached regions and villages and they plant new churches. Now, as you can imagine, Nepal is not a wealthy country and these evangelists don't have much in the way of financial resources. And down the road, the new indigenous churches will fully support the financial needs of these evangelists and their families. But in the beginning, those brand new churches won't be able to do that. So we're going to provide goats for these evangelists. And why would we do that? Well, goat farming is a very common way for people to support themselves in Nepal, especially in rural areas. It's a profitable business because goats provide both milk and meat. The investment is relatively low and the return is very high. So here's what we're looking at. There are currently 20 evangelists enrolled in the Himalayan Ministry Training Center. And for about 150 U.S. dollars, we can buy one goat for each of these evangelists. Uh, the more we give, the more goats we can provide. And, and we'd love to have multiple goats for these evangelists because it's hard to you know, develop a farm of goats with just one. So this is another great opportunity to make a big difference for God's kingdom. Now, very quickly, we have one last project. We're going to offer scholarships to Plum Creek students who will be doing mission work this summer. First, we have three college students from Plum Creek who are serving as interns in Nepal with disciple makers this summer. Now, because we post this service online, I can't give too many specifics for safety reasons. I won't name names or, or describe exactly what they'll be doing, but I can tell you this. One of those college students told me, I am very excited to be a part of something that looks like a chapter from the book of Acts. And I'm excited too. It's very cool that our church gets to be a part of this. Now, as you might expect, uh, 
being an intern in Nepal, it's going to be expensive, you know, travel, room, board, and all that. And these students, they have to raise their own financial support. So when we meet the $4,000 goal for this project, we'll divide it equally among those three students, and it still will be only a portion of what they need to raise. Now, that brings up another question about this offering. What happens when we go over that $12,000 base goal? Well, any extra will be divided equally among the three projects, and with Camp Northward and the Goats, we'll just uh, add to the amount that we give. But with project number three, we're doing something different. After that $4,000 goal has been met, we'll take the extra funds in that area and we'll provide scholarships for any students who join our short-term mission team that's going to Guatemala this summer. Now, the Guatemala trip costs much less than being an intern in Nepal, but it's still pretty expensive. And you know, when we invest in these mission scholarships, we're not just investing in the work that's going to be done this summer. We're investing in the students themselves. And I've seen over the years that God uses a short-term mission trip to change the hearts of the people on those teams. They come back with a bigger heart for God's kingdom. Not just over there, but also right here. So this is the big idea, and between now and next Sunday, you and your family can make plans about how you'll participate in this fast and in this offering. Over the next few days, uh, you can go shopping, make sure you have plenty of beans and rice on hand, and I I do want you to know we're not going to be legalistic about this. Um, There are several ways to save money during the week of the fast. Uh, We're not going to micromanage that. But I do want to encourage you to try this beans and rice diet as much as possible. Uh, Let's encourage each other in this. Uh, Share photos online of of your family having these meals. Uh, Share recipes. Uh, Have fun with it. In fact, I'll start by sharing a picture from 2014 which was the last time we did this as a church. This is our daughter, Leah Claire. She was one year old there. You can see the beans and rice all over her face. And just look at how happy she is. See, we can do this. A citizen of God's kingdom will invest in what matters most. So think about what might happen. What could happen if we all took this fast seriously? There might be a a negative side to this. There is a danger of all of us eating beans at the same time. Uh, There might be a big hole in the ozone layer right over Kentucky. I, I don't know. But there's also a very positive side to this. What might happen if we all make this investment in God's kingdom? The truth is, the ripple effects could continue long after we're all gone. That's amazing to think about. And once again, the fast won't begin until next Sunday, but let's spend this week getting ready. You'll hear more specifics in the coming days, but we can start right now by, ba- by praying these three words, your kingdom come. Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I just thank you for what you've done in our lives, what you've done in this church, and what you're doing right now around the world. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, thank you for uh, letting us be a part of this. 
You want to partner with us to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus, so that more people can, can hear and know you, become a part of your kingdom, and, and be with you forever. Doing what we were meant to do, worshiping you for all eternity. Lord, I, I pray that you will just grow this desire to invest in your kingdom in each one of us, because we see it as such a great treasure. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.